Welcome to the latest in our Aberdeen Standard Investments Closed-End Fund podcast series, where we catch up with our closed-end portfolio managers and gain some perspective on these complex market conditions. Today, we are focusing on the Asia-Pacific credit markets with our Singapore-based portfolio manager, Adam McCabe. Adam is a manager of the Aberdeen Asia-Pacific Income Investment Company, Canadian Fund, ticker FAP. Welcome, Adam McCabe. Thanks, Dan. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, and happy June. Uh, it would be good to start, Adam, with a look at credit markets in general from your perspective in the Asia-Pacific region where you're based. Thanks, Dan. I think um, one of the key things that uh, is worth highlighting for for bond markets uh, and credit markets more generally around the world is that the economic environment uh, is emerging as one that is very optimistic. Uh, it's very well supported by uh, fiscal policy that is extraordinary uh, in terms of the size, particularly that in the U.S., but also around the, the world, both in the developed world and the emerging world. Uh, but also, and importantly, that that pretty persistent monetary policy stimulus. And now I know that the the, the Federal Reserve and other central banks uh, have begun to question the need for the monetary policy support, but the one thing that is driving economic conditions at the moment is this fiscal and monetary policy support. And that's really the, the tide that raises all boats, um, be that in the, in the US, in the developed world, but importantly uh, in Asia, uh, in, and, and uh, in particular in Asia, as uh, many of the economies in our region are export-oriented, uh, we are able to benefit from the spillover impact of that uh, fiscal stimulus and indeed uh, that economic improvement, the optimism, particularly as economies re-engage uh, uh, after the COVID lockdowns, as people get vaccinated, we are beginning to see optimism uh, spill across in, across the corporate sector. Uh, it's not, it, having said all of that, uh, you know, the COVID challenge is not behind us. In Asia, there's a significant amount of challenges in terms of vaccine rollouts, in terms of second and third and fourth waves. Uh, we've seen very dramatic and troubling uh, stories in, in much of the emerging markets, particularly in places like India, uh, in places like Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, Thailand. You know, many, many countries have not been spared uh, this most recent uh, uh, round of COVID challenges. Uh, and while that uh, does pose a threat to economic growth, there is a key tone of resilience across Asia uh, and very importantly, whereas the Federal Reserve and other developed market economies that are somewhat ahead in terms of the vaccine rollout and somewhat ahead in terms of their economic recoveries are contemplating a tightening of, 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 of monetary policy, as we've heard very recently from the Federal Reserve, um, we, we expect that uh, many central banks in, in Asia in particular will err on the side of caution and continue to uh, maintain a extraordinary amount of stimulus, support for financial conditions, support for economic growth, and indeed uh, all of that is, is rather uh, supportive of the credit markets going forward. We continue to see valuations in Asian credit as being very uh, as being uh, as being very attractive relative to the developed market peers. Uh, the, the U.S. market in particular. Uh, did run ahead of, of many other markets, uh, courtesy of the, the Federal Reserve's uh, support of liquidity in that market. And we continue to see um, you know, the Asian markets lagging somewhat behind that, but uh, nevertheless, uh, that, that there is the fundamental underpinning that I mentioned as being 
are rather supportive as well. So we've got some valuation uh, appeal uh, and also that fundamental resilience that I'd, I'd call out. Adam, you mentioned a tone of resilience. I'm uh, curious, to, from your perspective, what is the mood or sentiment among companies and management that you're speaking with currently? Well, I think I think companies are optimistic. I mean, they look over, they look around the world, and they see they see the future as being one that is is brighter than the last 12, 18 months that we've experienced. We see um, in some sectors where where there has been severe dis- dislocations, particularly. Uh, in the in the uh, consumer cyclical sector, the discretionary spends, um, that, those sorts of sectors that have come under a lot of pressure in the last 12, 18 months as, as economies have been locked down. Everyone's got an eye on opening. Um, economies are looking, you know, and companies are looking forward with optimism to getting getting reengaged with the consumer, getting you know, to, to, to meet the demand that's out there. And I think the, the very the very important thing beyond that optimism about reengagement. Uh, of economies is the, the the support from policymakers that has been coordinated and indeed very stimulatory. And I think that environment has meant that in many cases balance sheets have been, have been uh, uh, yeah, companies have been able to to repair balance sheets where they came under stress. Uh, they've been able to look forward to growth and prepare for that growth uh, going forward as well. Uh, and in many cases, the the, the new growth uh, model is is definitely being put in place. Whether that is uh, a heavy uh, a heavier reliance on on technology. Uh, on innovation, uh, we definitely also see a very strong push in the region towards uh, climate transition, uh, and indeed the focus on that is, is becoming uh, very, very prominent across the emerging Asian world. And Adam, saying that, have you reshaped the portfolios at all in light of you know this change in environment over the past say six quarters? We've 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 stuck to our guns over the course of the last uh, 18 months. I think the, the key thing is that, uh, that that a lot of the the opportunity that we see in Asia Pac is is really um, centered around the, the the very robust economic fundamental story, the emergence of the middle the, the middle income consumer, uh, but more importantly, as it pertains to bond markets, that uh, uh, continued uh, resilience uh, with respect to Asian economies. Uh, and the exporters uh, in, 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 uh, in, in their role in global trade, uh, but also, and importantly, uh, the, the capacity and the willingness of policymakers to provide support for domestic demand growth. Uh, those conditions uh, ensure economic resilience. They ensure um, market performance of, of Asian credit markets, of Asian local currency bond markets, uh, that is very resilient uh, time after time. And even though we saw a, 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 a significant increase in volatility in, in the, the spring period in 2020, uh, the Asian markets outperformed on a risk-adjusted basis uh, many of their developed market peers, many of the non-Asian emerging markets. And we, we, we believe that that uh, is very, it's not a fluke, uh, it's not a coincidence, it's largely driven by choices that were made over the course of the last 20 or 30 years by the policymakers very hard choices in many ways because we've, we, because of the Asian financial crisis that, that occurred in 1997-98 where many policymakers lost face, many businesses uh, were, were brought to the wall. There was pain, financial pain and suffering uh, that was borne by the household sector. Uh, and, and as a result of that pain and suffering that was caused 30-odd years ago, there were some very prudent, prudent uh, policies put in place and indeed, uh, that has given 
um, the, the, the foundations for much of the Asian region, be they sovereigns, corporates, or the household sector, to be very resilient in, the, in its most recent crisis. Well, that's very interesting, Adam. And I want to switch gears for a moment, if I could. Uh, the products that you run here at Aberdeen in the closed-end space come in a closed-end fund investment vehicle, much different than an open-end fund or an ETF. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, um, how does the closed-end fund structure help you to effectively manage a portfolio like uh, the Asia-Pacific fixed income, number one, and number two, Closed-end funds historically, uh, or many of them, apply leverage or gearing, and curious on your position on leverage. I think the answer, Dan, is very very simple. It, it allows us to focus on the long-term, the long-term opportunities. And as the bond funds, uh, you know, the, the opportunity for us is, is to provide uh, income to, our, to, to the owners of the, the, the funds. And that's what, what we're able to do. We're able to, in, in a large part, because of the closing structure, able to, to, to look through a lot of crises and indeed uh, maintain positions and essentially clip the coupons to deliver the income. Uh, that longer-term long focus is very important in, in uh, positioning and, and really benefiting from those structural benefits of the Asia-Pacific region that I highlighted. Uh, we do use leverage uh, to, to support our objective of, of earning income, uh, and that is uh, something that has added value over time. And it's, it's, it's one that uh, we continue to see as being strategically accretive uh, in that we are able to borrow in a very low interest rate environment at rates much lower than we are able to, to, to invest in. And so we enjoy a positive, uh, a positive uh, carry. Uh, what's more, I think if you, if you just step back from the closed-end fund space and if you think about uh, what we're trying to do here, we're invested in the bond markets. Bond yields are very low. Uh, and for the most part across our, our fund, uh, our fund uh, complex, uh, particularly fixed income funds, they do trade at a discount. And so what we're able to do is actually provide uh, a, a cheaper alternative for investors uh, to, to that of buying bonds directly. We can, we can obviously uh, earn income, but it, as the funds uh, trade at a discount, uh, they are, that is a, a way to actually enhance the income generation from a Unit holders or shareholders' perspective. So there's quite a quite a quite an appealing uh, investment prospect. Not just uh, the benefits to us as as the investment manager and what that brings as a as a derivative investment to a derivative benefit to you. It also brings uh, the benefit of capturing the yield uh, at a discount uh, to the market rate. And finally, Adam, what would you say to clients to give them comfort today? new investors today that they should invest in the Asia-Pacific region in fixed income? Well, I think, Dan, I've, uh, I've, I've highlighted a number of the reasons why I think it's uh, a very appealing opportunity. I think the key reason for me uh, to, be op to be very optimistic about the fortunes in the Asia-Pacific market is, first and foremost, uh, built around uh, that very strong uh, policy foundation. Uh, that creates resilience of the economies. It creates resilience of markets. But more importantly, as the market, as the, the middle-income consumer uh, emerges in Asia, um, there is uh, ongoing and building pools of savings in Asia. Uh, that, that those savings uh, domestically are becoming more and more institutionalized. Uh, and so what we're beginning to see now is the emergence of pension funds, 
insurance sector. And what that brings to, to, to the capital markets is institutional demand for fixed income, institutional demand for what we call as, as practitioners for duration. And that demand for duration locally is, uh, you know, underpins uh, the, the support for the local capital markets. So not only do you have policymakers that have, that have created an, an environment where there is resilience in terms of economic outcomes, they've got policy capacity, but now you have participants in the marketplace that have a natural demand for, in, for interest rate risk. And those three or four factors uh, together mean that uh, the outcomes and the, the expectation from us around Asian fixed income as an, as an asset class will look very appealing on a risk-adjusted basis over the medium to longer term. Thank you, Adam, for those insights today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You can find out more about the funds at www.aberdeenfap.com. I'm Dan Buchanan with Aberdeen Standard Investments. Do look out for future episodes.